Welcome back, dear listeners, to Tuned In, Dialed Up, a podcast about podcasting. I'm Gavin, one of the two hosts, joined by the wonderful, the minitable Will Williams. Will, how are you today? I'm pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Gavin? Doing good. Just carefully trying to speak over the mouse clicks as I turn up the volume I had turned down from mixing SDP. There we go. Gavin, how was your holiday? My holiday is pretty good. We're recording this on Black Friday. Yeah. I did Thanksgiving with both sides of the family last night, which was great because Jordan's side of the family, we just watched a, just a lot of, like, baking competition stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then at my parents, we just had, like, think just had Thanksgiving dinner and talked for a couple hours. We did. We went to Walmart to experience Black Friday at Walmart. Oh, God. You're very brave. Out here in the sticks, it is, they still prepare as if it's the end of times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But there's not, like, enough people at once to really justify it. So for anyone who's never been in a Walmart <laughs> doing this, it's fascinating. They uh, they bust out several rolls of blue painter's tape. They, well, they, they, they cash out a bunch of rolls of blue painter's tape that's in their stock, probably. And then um, draw lines. So... If you th- like a Walmart's basically a racetrack, like there's one big loop of aisle that goes around the entire store mm-hmm. and then it's sectioned off with smaller aisles in each area. That one big racetrack, they basically cut off the front part of it that's in front of the registers and turn that into one massive staging area. So you basically have to loop around to the very rear of the store and then come down the middle aisles as the giant checkout line. And then there's mm-hmm. then there's people who are uh, are just not going to be working at Walmart in two months because they're temporary hires whose job is to stand in the blue tape and direct people like they're telling airplanes where to park to the every cashier open at once. It's a magical moment. <laughs> Except I no one's using did them. Black Friday once out here um, at Target and it was the same deal. Um, it was... Buck wild. I just wanted my fucking Pyrex. Like, <laughs> I just, I just wanted one set of Pyrex. Oh yeah, we uh, got did, we got a pretty good it. set of shitty stainless steel bowls <laughs> for Hell five yeah. bucks. Oh hey, that actually. Well, that t- I mean, this well, is... we gotta do shining moments yeah. first. But yeah, well, <laughs> hold, let's put a pin in that segue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Will, what's something awesome that's happened to you in the last couple of weeks? Ah. Uh, well, we just got our theme back for Valence, our theme music, the wonderful uh, Raul Vega of um, Rose Drive composed it, and it is beautiful. Um, we are almost done putting the first episode together, which is crazy. So that's very exciting. It's very exciting. Um, what about you, Gavin? Shining um, moment. Well, it's the one I actually want to talk about, I'm not going to right now because it, it's one of my podcast recommendations for later. But mm. um, it's it's I today I bought some new sound effects on asoundeffect.com because it's their Black Friday sale. And uh-huh. last year I dropped like 35 bucks and got most of what I use for standard docking procedure. The rest of it is obviously free sound because... I mm-hmm. broke, and I'm not. I don't live in any, an interesting enough area to go get field recordings. <laughs> uh, but uh, I got some really good stuff last year, and this year I have picked up uh, 
Let's see, just because we're not, no one's going to be mystified by what this is. Uh, I have a folder called Steam Trains underscore Tone Glow Libraries now. <laughs> of course you do. Of uh, course you do. So I have that, which will not be used in standard docking procedure in the slightest, but I might have something <laughs> fun I can do with it next year. Or at least I can make up a reason to do something fun with it next year. There's also one real quick piece of news I want to throw out there, just because it, it like just came out today. Go um, for it. By the time listeners are hearing this, the Radio Public Paid Listen program will have ended. Um, I think we've talked about the Paid Listen program once or twice. A couple times, yeah. Um, Radio Public is great, and they had a system where if people listen to your show, and they listen to several episodes in a row on Radio Public... You would get paid for it. And it was a very small amount, but it was an amount. Um, So if you are, if you're on Radio Public, if you have signed up through them and through their paid listen program, be sure to check the email that is registered to your account. You will see that there are various options for payouts. They're currently allowing payouts as low as if you've amassed $15. Um, if you've amassed at least $5, you can put that towards a month of their pro plan at Radio Public. Um, the uh, The program officially ends tomorrow as of recording, so November 30th. So again, it's, it's over by the time you're listening, but you may still be able to um, collect your payout or put your payout towards a pro plan if you want to pursue that option. Um, and then actually, I guess just another real quick piece of news, it is currently the Radiotopia um, pledge drive. So if you've been, yeah, if you've been planning on giving back to Radiotopia and the amazing work that they do, now would be a good time. Um, Yeah, I think that's all I've got. Oh, go ahead, On a superficial note, the the trailer that they did for the fundraiser is so good. It like I even if you don't intend on giving, I recommend watching it just because it incorporates everyone uh, who hosts a show on Radiotopia, and it's just it's really inspiring and well made and it also has a little bit of that like cheese to it that it's obviously just some nerds who work in radio throwing a video together like they have they have a fake protest where all the the signs are radiotopia (laughs) shows it feels like when bon appetit flexes a little too hard and then they have to like tape things together (laughs) (laughs) yeah also if you if you get the tier of pledge where you get the challenge coin I can't really say anything else about this, and it is 100% coincidental. Oh, well. Um, but the challenge coin does tie into something in Valence. So if you want something that will just have an interesting coincidence, <laughs> get that challenge coin. Because I saw it, and I went, oh, shit. <laughs> Speaking of supporting things, uh, I want to take a moment to do some housekeeping. And- pew, pew, pew. And someday I'll figure out some fun, like, sound effects or whatever for this part. But uh, today, I want to just quickly give a moment uh, to our wonderful Patreon producers who help make the show a possibility and help me do stuff like transcribe, which I should have a couple out in the next couple days. Um, I got to a point where one's like 95% done and another one's like 70% done. I was like, oh, wait, nice. I should have finished one. Yeah, definitely <laughs> 100%. Um <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, whoops. But on that note, I just want to give a quick thank to uh, Alice and Chelsea. Jean. Oh, thank you, both. And Alex, as well as our newest producer. Thank you so much, Mads, for joining oh. uh, 
at what did I call this tier? Business class. All of my tiers are train themed, and <laughs> the, the, the producer <laughs> level is business class. Thank you so much, everyone, for your support. Uh, Thank it you all. Really helps everything we do, and yeah. So, uh, oh, and if you wanna, if you wanna be one of the producers yourselves, patreon.com forward slash Gavin G. It's for everything I do that isn't standard docking procedure. Now, now that we're talking about making stuff and money, let's talk about merch in the yeah. podcasting world. Uh, I don't think either, I mean, you have more experience than I, my intent with pitching this episode is at least talking about the entry portals into making different kinds of merch. Right. So people can just kind of start getting their minds thinking on it. If they've like thought about, I want to do X, but it seems like daunting just from the start. Right. Yeah. I, I have a little bit of experience, um, in this, um, and I think it's really interesting and I think that I have a specific uh, perspective on it because I don't wear t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I like, seriously, I, I own a few podcast t-shirts and I do love them very, very much. I often wear them on, like, laundry days. I will sleep in them. I'm just, I, I just don't know how to dress casually ever so uh when people have a extra no i know (laughs) when when i went to uh working from home full-time people were like oh it's so exciting you can just like work in your pajamas and i was like oh no 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 if anything i'm just gonna go over the top and be more hedonistic in my fashion because like I can wear a petticoat at home and nobody will give me a weird look cut to will in a three-piece suit Right. Like, <laughs> that's how I am. But so I also, um, back at Podcast Movement 2018, um, I went to a panel on merch with Sarah Ray Werner, um, some of the folks from Multitude, and a few other people who are slipping my mind right now. And I'm sorry, I think one of them was a wrestler. Um, <laughs> yes. Out of context. <laughs> That is a wonderful way to end a sentence that is so, like, <laughs> that's so, like, charming, cozy mystery dialogue. And I think one of them was a wrestler, like, yeah, <laughs> Jesus, that was perfect. I just remember Julia being really excited. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there were a ton of really, really, really great takeaways from that panel on merch. Um, the first of which is that you should not, in most cases, think of merch as a way to, like, sizably increase your revenue. Yes. Um, pretty much everybody said, like, selling merch is great and you will make some money from it, kind of. Merch is expensive to sell, which I know sounds counterintuitive, but unless you're set up with a store... Uh, like the DFTBA store or like uh, to- Topa. Uh, yeah, I was about, I was literally typing Topa-to-co. it to check. Topa Toko. Um, that one. Um, unless you're set up with something like that. And even then, like, there are costs involved, obviously. But if you have like, um, like a Tea Public or like a Redbubble or any of those things, you're probably not going to be making, like, any real returns. 
The reason to do merch should not be viewed as an increase to revenue, but an increase to advertising. The way to think about this is, and this is like, I I guess, kind of like sales and marketing 101, is that somebody wearing a t-shirt or using a tote bag or something interesting of your show is, that's like a walking billboard is the way that people usually phrase it. And on top of that, it usually adds to community. So for instance, if, you know, somebody is out and about wearing a shirt for like, if I, this is something that I've actually done several times. When I was in college, um, and maybe this speaks a lot to not just the time, but also where I went to college, but there were like a ton of people in Night Vale shirts. And several times I would like go up to them and talk to them and we just like shoot the shit. And what that does is not just like advertise for your show. It also creates a sense of community that like, and I hate talking about it in this way because like, you know, we should just like our community because they're nice and not Mm -hmm. because of money. But um, it does increase kind of like almost a brand loyalty because they're part of a community. That felt really gross to say, but it's also true. Um, And then the other thing that I think was really fascinating from this panel was that, you know, they talked about like how to think of what you're going to sell as merch, how to make sure it's going to sell. And I believe it was the folks at Multitude because this is very much their style, but they were like, uh, just ask your listeners, (laughs) like literally just ask, like, what would you want? Um, like for instance, I think that Multitude had like a be gay, do crimes, uh, like little line because their rogue is gay in their game. And I think that that was literally because in the discord, people were like, please, 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 please. (laughs) And people wanted like merch of certain characters and they asked. And so Multitude delivered. Um, I think that's a really good tactic. And I think that it's weird that people don't just do this. Like the fans will tell you and they won't be like, like, oh, gross. They're asking what I want. Like (laughs) they're going to appreciate it. So just like ask your audience, honestly. There's also just like, there's so many, uh, ways you can get into buying said merch for yourself Yes. Yeah. Just, and I don't know about that side. Gavin, can you talk about that a little bit? So this is the part where I say, uh, I think Amanda McLaughlin's actually the last person I've uh, heard say this to me, um, or at least say it specifically to me in a conversation. Uh, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. Uh, and I say that, yeah. I, I, I do want to point out, I'm saying that as someone who is in the audio drama community. And I remember when it became a talking point that, you know, it, it, it sure is cute. How uh, people who are like, capitalism sucks. and Socialism forever are the ones who are doing fine in capitalism and aren't like suffering mm-hmm. hugely. Uh, I just want to like, as someone who's doing fine with a part-time job, but only right, because right. I work a certain shift that gives me a lot of shift premium. So I actually make like way more per hour which allows me to split an apartment with Jordan and all that. Like I'm doing Mm -hmm. fine and I'm white. So like, that's a thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, so even if I lose that job, I'll probably be fine. There are places where you can get merch that are really cheap and really good. That might also be run by people who are shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it it, like, it's all of it. Like the lie of capitalism is you can vote with your wallet, but like, a few thousand people not pre-ordering video games hasn't 
made EA or Activision start releasing video games that are finished when they come out, they are still offloading stuff in beta and then making people who pay for the video game beta test it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's only gotten worse and everyone just going, vote with your wallet. That doesn't change anything. Now, on the mm-hmm. smaller scale side of merch, that can affect people, but there are there are websites... And there's one I'm going to say, and it's super cheap and makes good stuff that is run by a guy who openly supported Trump on Twitter in 2016 and then deleted the tweets, which kind of makes it a little bit scarier. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now they want their whole perspective to be, oh, we're just a wacky company and we make stickers and we got a hot sauce now. (laughs) Oh, this is that one. Yeah, Sticker Mule. Um, the, the, The owner of Sticker Mule tweeted pro-Trump stuff in 2016. Those tweets don't exist anymore, but of course the North remembers. But Sticker Mule is like way cheaper than Sticker Giant and all these other places. And everything I've gotten from them has been when they emailed out a really good sale. Like I've got, uh, where is it? I've got a roll of air quotes, clear labels that I just turned, just said it's a sticker of, uh, Mm -hmm. I just made like a little standard docking procedure sticker and I've got like a hundred of the damn things in front of me right now because I don't have like a way to ship them, which is the other problem. Because like you can, there your two options for things that are printed, well, there's a lot of options, but the two basic things are buy it yourself and then ship it yourself Mm -hmm. or use something like TeePublic, Teespring, whatever, where you upload a design to them and you are entrusting this company to consistently print a quality product mm-hmm. which you gotta weigh weigh your checks and balances if you if you have artwork that's very um if it would look good as an enamel pin because it's so, it's got a bunch of simple colors and clear lines you're probably fine going the route of putting it on a teespring teespring's really highly rated from a lot of people who've used it that i've yeah. talked to uh, I've yet to order anything of mine from it to double check, but I will say we, I've used a couple of other sites uh, just trying them out. And the tuned in, dialed up album art looks like garbage on a couple of sites printers just because it has so many like grays going on. Mm-hmm. The stickers don't come out right. And I, I, I would not want to sell those for even like two fifty a pop. So thing is, you, you can do your research on where you buy from. Just know that if you do that, you're probably not going to be able to go with the cheaper. <laughs> right. And right. There's, also a, there's also just a higher buy-in on certain items than it seems like. Like, it seems like everybody's got an enamel pin right now. Yeah. You need three figures of liquid cash sitting around to be able to put into commissioning these pins. And it's possible you're going to get you know, 200 acrylic pins sell 15 of them. And then the rest can just be handouts at a convention, which doesn't, yeah. that doesn't even necessarily mean it's a failure. It's just, you have to be comfortable with this is a, this is like me throwing money into a Facebook ad. And if it works, it works. It pretty much always has to be considered like just a cost. Yeah. You know, like you, sh- you kind of shouldn't, I don't, maybe that's the wrong way to think about it because you do need to like hustle to actually sell your shit, which I mm-hmm. think is something else that we should talk about. But like, I also, I think that you, I think that you need to have, have it in your mind to hustle while also having it in your mind that it might not sell and it might just have to be marketing, a marketing budget, you know? 
I guess it's a good example of diversifying your not necessarily income streams because it might not make money, but diversifying Mm -hmm. your attention streams. Like you've got merch, you've got your Patreon, you've got uh, you've been signing up for all the cool hip new startups that are making the next IMDb of podcasts. So you've got, you know, three or four different websites where your, your podcast looks super cool and is easily shareable. Uh, you've got your own website, which you should have, even if it's a dot wordpress.com, you can have all these different ways that people can find your show, you know, Facebook pages, mm-hmm. Facebook groups, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And the fact that you have an enamel pin or the fact that you have, you know, a crate full of t-shirts in your closet, if no matter what you got, it's still one extra thing you can do. It just, it helps that we have access to print on demand sites. Um, yes. Even if the margins aren't as big. And even then, like whenever I've made merch or have put up merch, it's been under the uh, mental agreement that like my margin on this t-shirt is going to be a dollar fifty. <laughs> it's not going to be anything right. impressive. One thing I want to bring up because mm-hmm. a lot of podcasters work with commissioned artwork is it can only do you good to bring up the conversation. If if the artist you're working with and commissioning stuff from does not say, if it doesn't come up a conversation at the beginning, it will do nothing but help you to start the conversation about merch and whether you have permission to or not now, then later. Because mm-hmm. if you work under any assumptions, it best comes to best, you catch them off guard. But right. you could also fuck up and start selling someone else's artwork because you feel because you commissioned it. You like there are rights at play here that you should be aware of. Yeah, don't ever just assume that you that you own artwork by someone else and can do whatever you want with it, even if you paid for it. Yep, that is not the case. And I I would argue that if you are selling merch, you should. Always, if if you're selling merch that has somebody else's art, you should pretty much always at least plan to to give more or less royalties or have some kind of revenue share with the person who made that art. Um, I like I know that at Hug House, we would insist at like it's it's part of our business model that we we do not take. Um, pro bono work of of any kind we always compensate people working with us and granted that is because we can yeah and i think that's an important distinction but the fact Um, that you can and you do is the courage of your convictions on that one yeah i mean we're we try (laughs) i will say some people (coughs) uh have tried to make that difficult for us hey i don't uh, want to hear shit from the official <laughs> face of hog house when one of your employees refused payment for a guest spot like <laughs> i had you didn't, but i didn't did. i did nothing <laughs> who is currently listening to this Ooh, yeah. whoever it is of you you're grounded got you um <laughs> But I'm saying, like, so at Hug House, I know that personally, like, we would not use someone else's art in merch without, you know, having a plan for paying that artist when we get paid. Exactly. Like, obviously. Now, I would say that for some some other podcasts, 
you might not be able to have some kind of a revenue share with an artist. And they might insist, please use my art. This means so much to me. I want to help you build your brand and build visibility and get paid. And if that's the case, then I think that it is up to you to make a judgment call. But you always need to be considering these things right at the get-go and have those conversations with your artists. Make sure that they understand and agree and that you're not doing anything that could be manipulative of them, especially if it's fan art, especially if it's like not something that you even commissioned, obviously. Oh, uh, uh quick thing yeah like you yes. just reminded me this is this is not a deep conversation but while we're talking about like permissions real quick if you mm-hmm. photoshopped your album art or whatever merch you're gonna make whatever uh the thing you if you used source photos to make the thing i highly suggest starting like the base of your creation come from someplace like pixabay where yes all the all the things are royalty free and they explicitly say what kind of copyright they are much in the same way free sound does uh mm-hmm. right off the bat and also um free music archive which yes. by the way if you're just using music from free music archive and you're not looking at what kind of attribution license it has you should you should same goes for free sound um yep on, like, but yeah i just want to bring that up but because if you were making your own stuff like if you used a copyrighted photo of a giraffe really, really early in your process, now that giraffe is like your brand or something. Uh, maybe it would be better to start with a Pixabay because uh, there's a lot of really good stuff on Pixabay that is just royalty free and available for all. Uh, and if if you have the gift of being able to make stuff yourself, like if like Watsky, what uh, a lot of Watsky's merch because he can draw is stuff he's drawn (laughs) even though he's a musician uh he has his own like art style that he can work with and can make pretty good merch with uh that helps and can really significantly cut down on the cost the upfront cost of making merch because you actually have the designs i can't draw for shit so that that's partially why there isn't that much stuff for standard docking procedure because all i have is a commission or two commission pieces and then I basically commissioned a fan art <laughs> of a scene <laughs> in the second part of the pilot. Uh, that's that's basically all the artwork that exists of SDP right now. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to... I would rather sink money into continuing to make the show than setting some aside to do to be like, here's a, here's a button. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I think... I think you just need to be really wise and really considerate and empathetic if you're using art that you didn't make. And, you know, be be kind to artists and be kind to people who take stock photographs and make stock clip art. Make sure that you're using those things in the way that you're allowed to. Yeah. Um, Gavin, what what kind of merch do you usually go for? If you're buying merch for a podcast. Um, well, most of my merch I purchased in person at con. So stickers, tons of stickers. I have like, I'm wearing a pod X t-shirt right now. I guess that qualifies as merch, even though it's a volunteer t-shirt. They were selling for five bucks on the last day. Uh, (laughs) I like stickers and pins a lot. I would get more enamel, but like 
those are such a they have such a high barrier to entry as far as mm -hmm. like they take weeks to make you're probably going to be dropping two to three hundred dollars minimum at first uh usually they are giveaways on indiegogos or are sold mm -hmm. in super like quick fire sales Critical Bits mm -hmm. just listed their first enamel pin, and I, yeah. I like I it probably like I hope it doesn't sell up before I get one. Uh, yeah. But it's like Critical Bits has been on for over a year now, and now they have an enamel pin. Uh, I want to be able to buy the stuff that I know, even at five bucks, there's a little bit of a margin there that the person's getting something. Versus with clothing, it's really hard because if you don't know how the clothing is made. Like, mm -hmm. I've looked at Teespring. I know that it's about... It's been a while, so I think it's like 12 bucks is the cost of a mm -hmm. t-shirt. Like, just a bland, normal size, like, low, like, not double XL or anything above that. Uh, t-shirt is, like, like if it's listed for 20 bucks, they're going to make five-ish, maybe. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. But then you look at, like, a $30 hoodie from another place, and they might be making four dollars <laughs> like the percentages right, could be right. real bad uh so i like the ephemera if only that and let's just be real it's easier to find ways to showcase a sticker or a pin mm -hmm. than it is to have 15 t-shirts and you can only wear one at a time right yeah yeah i i love the stickers i have two water bottles I would have had three, but I lost one of my water bottles covered in oh, stickers. No. So now I just have the two, but still two is a lot. Um, and I, I love it. I am not a sticker on computer person. It uh, That is too much commitment for me. It stresses, it stresses me out. Me out. It, it stresses I me out. I do not too, like it. What's, what happens when the computer dies in five yeah. minutes? And also, like, I pay a lot for this computer. I just want it to look nice. Uh, <laughs> so it doesn't live on there. Um, I love enamel pins i'm one of those people who has like way too many i have a, a giant cork board up on my wall with just all of my enamel Ooh, that's pins. that's good that's a good way to yeah keep them. i'll send you a picture it's real cute um i, I am love i'm neither fashionable nor gay enough to have a denim jacket that has a ton of enamel <laughs> pins on it see i'm gay enough but maybe our <laughs> definition of fashionable is just different i hate denim y'all i fucking hate it anyway <laughs> I have a big cork board and I love it. And like sometimes I'll, you know, wear it, wear a pin on a lapel or whatever or a collar. Um, I also really like merch that is imaginative and does something different. So for instance, I think my favorite piece of merch that I own, and I haven't even, I don't think they've even used it, but I just love that it exists. Spirits, uh, which is a boozy dive into legends and folklore. Um, I should know the rest of their tagline, but anyway, the moral is they drink and talk about uh, myths and legends. So they have merch that is their logo and I believe their sort of tagline, which is um, kind of creepy, kind of cool. And it is printed on a flask. I oh, love hell that. Yeah, forgot yeah about that. it's brilliant. It's so good. It fits into like the, the whole deal of the podcast, it's well made, it's very cute, it wasn't that expensive, and it just, it it's just so much more interesting to me than a shirt or a poster. And I, I like posters too, I'm actually looking at a wall, the wall behind my desk is filled with podcast posters, so I do love posters, but I think that there is a lot more you can do being really imaginative 
with something in your podcast. Um, We're doing something that I think I can talk about later with the Valence Indiegogo. Um, Supporters at a certain level are getting a mystery package from a company in in the fiction and the world and what we're doing with it I think is really cool and I can talk about that later but like all of this is just to say think about not just what merch is common but what merch would be really fun and neat and different and stand out for your listeners something like a flask is killer um things like shirts and pens and buttons and whatever those are you know way easier to make and to get made but if you can find something that goes just a little bit of an extra mile and it is again kind of like weird and unexpected I have the feeling that that's going to be what really gets your listeners excited also if you're going to Mm -hmm. consider making merch yourself which is totally fine Mm -hmm. take a minute to consider if the YouTube video you're watching is telling you to do something that is dangerous to your health Mm-hmm. Like a certain someone who uploaded a fucking tutorial on how to make a air quotes enamel pin at home. Oh, is it that guy with that hair? The guy who melts uh, soldering in a fucking spoon um, with a blowtorch. What? What? Yeah. So this one dude who like it's it's just his hands. He <laughs> he takes some plastic and he. He, uh, well, he says just scratch it out with a Dremel, but he uses a fucking laser cutter. So nice job from there, dude. You're already using really expensive machinery. By the way, laser cut merch, if you can do it, is really fucking cool. I've got an orphan's badge right here that is just, it's really, or a pin is really good. Uh, he uses a laser cutter to make an impression of a pizza slice on a piece of plastic and then takes a blowtorch and a kit and a spoon from his kitchen Put some solder uh, stuff that you melt to attach circuits together. Just put solder in it, and it's not the, like, jewelry-grade stuff either. It's got lead and shit in it. And he just takes a blowtorch to it, melts it, dumps it on the plastic, and then presses a uh, one he's already made into it to um, make an impression of the pizza. So that he had when it cools, he has a soft metal... Basically, oh a soft enamel pin, and then he uses enamel uh, paint to manually fill in all the details on this solder that he's just cooled to the shape of the pin he wants. It looks fine, but in the comments, there are people like, don't... One person's like, oh don't... my god, don't do this. Electrical-grade yeah. solder is dangerous, especially because yeah. he, he, he talks about how he fucked it up so many times trying to get... <gasps> the impression right so he obviously does it like four or five times before he gets one that works uh and his and the guy just responded in the comments oops exclamation mark instead of taking down the video he just leaves oh it oh my god so he's basically hey, telling people okay here's a method on this. how to make a enamel pin uh that you're huffing lead while you're doing it possibly in small amounts it's fine holy shit it's fine Holy shit. Now, now listeners, don't fucking do this. someone who shows you how to basically do the shrink doodle thing where you cut out a piece of plastic and bake it in the oven until it shrinks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that kind of works. It's not particularly profitable, but it works. God. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. If a YouTuber tells you to apply heat to something, probably double check first. <laughs> 
Okay, Gavin, any, any other thoughts on merch overall? Uh, I think, I think we about covered it. We've hit, we've hit a lot of, a lot of little mini topics all throughout this. Uh, yeah. Merch is doable. I would just recommend final recommend here. Know your pipeline. If you're going to do it yourself, like I love mailing stuff, but I grew up with parents who were reselling stuff on eBay and Amazon and stuff. And I, I don't ever want to put a package together again in my entire fucking life. Yeah. I, I do love putting things in envelopes. So like I enjoy doing physical like letters that I Photoshop from inside the world. Like I did a thing for standard right, docking right, procedure right. where I made like a, a write up form for Tiff getting in trouble for something and just yeah. had like all the notes about what she did wrong and how she responded to it. Uh, those things aren't necessarily going to make money, but there's totally cool stuff you can do that is merch or merch adjacent. Uh, just find what you like to do. I just know I like to make mm -hmm. paper ephemera. That that That's yeah. becoming my thing. Uh, do you have any final thoughts, Will? No, I think that's just about it. I think just be creative. Don't expect it to make you a gajillionaire. And ask your listeners what they want because they will tell you what they want and then they will buy it because they want it. God, that would be the perfect moment to announce we have our audience survey ready, but I don't. So <laughs> we're going to... If I can rain check me on that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Will, what kind of an animal does a ghost knight ride? Oh, God. What what kind of an animal? <laughs> a haunted horse. That's so awful. <laughs> Where do you possess get their soup from? Where? Incantations. Oh, no. Fuck me. <laughs> Uh, oh god <laughs> oh my god <laughs> oh it's so bad oh lord <laughs> oh Gavin do you want to go first with your recommended podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yikes uh, that was <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna open with a pun one just cause that one was so sweaty god thank you thank um, you Ugh. I really I want to take a minute to recommend uh, and I I, I kind of hate doing this cause I wanted to have be like boom full page review like full size review thousand words it's awesome but uh, if you hear this before I post anything whoopsie doodle uh, <laughs> I want to recommend Arcade Audio's Lakeshore and Limbo uh, which is an actual play podcast Ooh using the uh, Foo, F-U, it's called the Freeform Universal System. That is the closest thing I can attribute it to as someone who's not super deep into, like, tons of systems is it's closer to Monster of the Week than it is D&D. Hmm, you, okay. roll, you roll D6, and each number is attributed to uh, sort of, basically, it's like improv the game. Uh, you can get a yes and a yes but a flat yes a no a no but or a, a no and and, the, and it isn't like one through six i like that it's like jog so like a five is a bad outcome <laughs> um <laughs> so basically you roll a die and you it, that determines where things go from there uh it's not there's no like as far as lakeshore and limbo play it it's not necessary there's no like inventories to keep up with or anything like that and everyone in the cast just gels so 
perfectly. This show mm. just feels like it's been on the air for years because everyone's just kind of together. Um, so Lakeshore and Limbo is about Melody Investigations, which is a it's a an occult detective agency like they are they're the ones that the police call when there's something spooky happening in chicago mm-hmm. and it's set in current times uh the 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 player characters are vincent melody who is a uh he a guy who looks suspiciously like a golden age hollywood actor who hasn't aged at all in a hundred years and then you've got sassy who is a cat who is a person now and sassy is kind of the thing that sold me on the show because there are a lot of ways a cat turned into a human being could be a, 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 a hack bit after a while, but the way Sassy is just kind no one makes a big deal about the fact that she used to be a cat. They just kind of, they just kind of deal with the fact that every now and then she's super cat-like and does cat shit like <laughs> knocking things off a desk or uh, eating things at a really bad time. <laughs> uh, she regularly hides behind a couch it's just natural like she was a cat and she acts like a cat and they don't like it's just part of this universe and then you've got abe abe is a uh sort of a warlocky kind of guy who it also isn't aging but he's we know how he's not aging and it's uh it's not going great <laughs> <laughs> they also have a resident ghost who lives in the uh detective agency named frank frank communicates by knocking once for yes twice for no frank is my favorite <laughs> character in actual play podcasting right now i'm sorry Amazing. to everyone but frank is just the best <laughs> i love ghosts who are put upon and just kind of domestic yeah <laughs> The other thing that I really want to... I haven't been talking about this for a long time, but I just... I can't... I, it's hard for me to get my thoughts out of a Lakeshore and Limbo in one go. Lake, I'm I'm not all the way caught up. I'm two arcs behind, but I've been through like three or four now. There's a conversation to be had about players in RPGs who are... Uh, the terminology that's used a lot in D&D is murder hobo. I would like a much better one, please, if anyone has one. Where player characters just kind of go ham and kill anything and it doesn't necessarily morally line up with how their characters are supposed to be. Lakeshore and Limbo doesn't make a big deal in its description or on the website or anything about the characters don't kill anybody, but it is perfectly in line with the fact that this is a noir occult actual play podcast that the people of Melody Investigations solve their problems through wit and conversation and rarely resort to violence. And if they do resort to violence, most of the time, it's because they've been pushed way beyond any, like, most of the time it's self-defense. Or the 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 mm-hmm. bad guy just can't help themselves but put themselves in a situation where they're going to get hurt. Uh, right. So it's it, they don't make a huge deal out of it. It's just as you listen, you kind of think about it and like, wow, no one's no one's died this time. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's genuine risk of people being um, permanently affected by stuff, and there, there, right. there are risks along the way. But these player characters aren't are like go out of their way to endanger themselves to help a villain when they could just like the 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 GM has set them up so they could just stand there and make a quip while the villain dies Terminator style. But a character will reach down and help up. Uh, the villain and then they're taken into custody or something <laughs> <laughs> lakeshore and limbo is just so fucking good i like 
all these all these characters are fucking awesome. James Harvey Freely is the uh, the GM, and holy hell, is he good at improv in a way that just all his NPCs don't necessarily have the most complex character voices, but they all mm-hmm. are so in their own personalities that it it is difficult to not be able to tell them apart, even if there are scenes where he's talking to himself. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that that is my really long-winded recommendation. You should go listen to Lakeshore and Limbo. Nice. Ampersand yeah. Limbo. Uh, Lakeshore A&D oh. Limbo makes it a little bit harder to find stuff. Will, what do you got? Did you know that uh, some of our fans have made a fan cast of Tuned In Dialed Up? It's It's just... They just critique our puns every week, um, and it's called Pun City. <laughs> <laughs> this one was not oh, my best one, you know? Sh- we've been doing this <laughs> shit for so long, Will. <laughs> so, my actual first recommendation is Fun City. Which is an actual play. Um, the one of the GMs, and this is interesting. One of the GMs is Mike Rignetta, who y'all might know from the PBS Idea Channel. Um, Rignetta is still around, writing amazing things and thinking brilliant thoughts. He has a Patreon that is wonderful. Um, Fun City is a oh god, what is it called? Shadow Shadow Run. There we go. Fun City is a Shadowrun actual play that features a group of Shadowrunners who are uh, varied in their dumbness and levels of refinement. (laughs) Um, It takes place in a post-apocalyptic sort of New York that has been mostly flooded by climate change. Um, The team, when we first find them, starts out um, in a houseboat that is owned by one of the people who uh, aggressively does not want the others living with her. But alas, that is the situation. Um, They are all interesting and dorky and fun. But what I really like is, so Mike Rugnetta plays like... 90% of the NPCs and does like 90% of the world building. And then they have a second GM for all of the antagonists, meaning even, even the core GM really doesn't have a way to predict everything that's going to go wrong and the intentions and weak points and what have you of the antagonists, which I think is brilliant. Um, I love this concept. I think it is hilarious and very fun, but I also think that it makes the stakes a lot more sizable. Um, I know that as a GM, for instance, I have a tendency of being way too nice to my players, which my players uh, probably would not agree with. They don't know (laughs) how often I just kind of hand them things because I want them to succeed. It doesn't help that you sit there doing the Mr. Burns f- fingers together being like, yeah, I suffer really it publicly. Right. Well, I mean, like, okay, don't get me wrong. I do kind of do that on the back end too. But like, it's fun. It's for me, from my perspective, it's fun as a player 
to feel like you are like super overcoming the odds. And usually they are. Um, and I like giving challenges that are interesting and hard to overcome. But I don't do this so much when it comes to like the actual one-on-one -on -one interactions with antagonists. And I certainly don't do it in fights. When it comes to fights, I'm like willing to let the protags be cool, you know? Yeah. Um, which is again, more, more my failing as a GM. But in Fun City, that's not really an option because you have someone who is only playing the antagonists, which I think is brilliant. So if you are in the market for another actual play, if you want to get kind of away from the fantastical settings of things like D&D, &D, Fun City is a great way to go. Gavin, what's your second recommendation? All right, let me just clear away my uh, three breakfast salsas from Taco Bell here. <laughs> All right, well, uh, my, my second recommendation is a podcast in which is uh, quite... Uh, aggressive, unskirting legal lines in the United States, as there's still a federal law against it, but uh, there is this wonderful uh, nonfiction show about how to start your own grow-op. It's called The Dope Opera. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> thanks for that not... Oh. Thanks for that not funny uh, fiancé of mine. <laughs> Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right. The the show I actually want to recommend is a uh, podcast by the wonderful Dallas Wheatley, which is the Soap Opera, which is a podcast about making soap. <laughs> which is it's just so it's so goddamn wholesome. Will oh. <laughs> Dallas has created this? Uh, uh, a have created this beautiful thing it, i will say this my my background here and i'm sorry to make this about me for a second um my parents before they got into doing ebay and stuff like that full-time because they are, are aggressively self-employed my parents took my great-grandmother's lye soap recipe and started producing soap on such a scale that we could travel around to craft shows within a few states of here to sell homemade soap and did a pretty good job of it but it also meant we were mass manufacturing soap when i was a kid wow and of course as a kid i was free labor yeah so <laughs> i uh i spent uh quite a few afternoons in a room that smelled of everything at once uh with like a, a thing designed to lathe wood but the blade was dull so it could just like take the edges off a bar of soap um listening to dallas on the soap opera which is the show that's basically like every old style pre um before anthony bourdain and uh uh, uh alton brown kind of revolutionized food tv in a way that it became more about like the people and not necessarily the food it's it's the soap opera is basically a cooking show but with soap Aww. uh going step by step through this process of telling you how to make your own uh tools to use things to watch out for and it's just so fucking chill and calm and also like dallas is really good yeah. <laughs> soap. uh yeah if you want just a just a chill ass hope punk show check out the soap opera i really can't can't say more than that because that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so delightful
It is very delightful. Also, the um, the show art mm-hmm. is like a nice sort of Bob Ross mountain oh, I'm gonna go look it s- up. Like landscape, but the edges of it are a bar of soap, so like the tree in the foreground becomes bubbles at the top. It's just, it's awesome. Oh, it's so cute! You're looking yes. at it. It's great, isn't it? Oh, it's adorable. Oh. But be careful if you are prone to picking up new projects, because listening to this will just make you be like, well, I could get an immersion yep. blender. Yep. <laughs> well, I could get a stock pot just for so. Yeah. On that on that note, Will, what are your projects? Where can people find you online? So people can find me on Twitter at, at Will W. Writes. It's W-I-L-W underscore writes. You can find me on WillWilliams.reviews. You can find me on HugHouse.productions. And yeah. Gavin, where can people find you? They can find me uh, at the Pod Report on Twitter and podreport.com is my website. I also write for Discover Pods, so I've got a few things on there, including my most recent thing on Discover Pods, which is the 12 best episodes of Criminal yeah. Asterix that I could fit into the list. <laughs> There isn't a bad episode of Criminal in my mind, and it was really hard narrowing it down to that much. So much so, it was originally going to be a list of 11, and then just, I couldn't. (laughs) (laughs) It was a rough one to do, but I'm really glad how it turned out. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And where where can people find the show? People can find the show at dialeduppodcast.wordpress.com, and uh, that's where you can find transcripts, show notes, all that fun stuff, and... There are links to Will and I's respective websites. Uh, I think that'll about do it. Will, thank you so much for uh, coming with me on this podcasting adventure on Black Friday. Yes. Had I had I been more put together, I would have prepared a bunch of sound effects to make and committed to the bit that we're both shopping while we're <laughs> <laughs> recording this. We're off at Ye Old Podcast Emporium, which is having its we Black are. Friday blowout sale. We're, we're, we're in the merch bunker. I'm going to trample over Fight, everyone to get that, left and right. that Roman Mars Cabbage Patch Kid. <laughs> <laughs> so just a Cabbage Patch Kid with stubble? Yeah. Like, what are we, and a really nice suit. What we had to that little microphone? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Will. And thank you so much to my fiance who's currently over thank my shoulders you, dead tired. Uh, I had to work. She had to work. and thank you listeners for joining us on this journey talking about merch if you want to talk about merch yourself there is a discord server that i run for granger product granger roads productions which is just the banner i do all my shows under uh i will link to that and there's also a link to will server podcast problems which is also a fantastic awesome place to hang out uh and that'll about do it so bye. bye